I just want to prepare you up for it. We're going to get real serious. I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you this morning, all right? I hope you came ready. I hope you didn't come for just some nice little sugar-coated, Jesus is going to make everything better church service, all right? Uh, I hope you're ready this morning because I believe God has called us to change the world. And at the end of our lives, there would be no excuse for why we didn't. He said, I gave you the Holy Spirit. I gave you everything you needed to multiply. What'd you bring me? What did you bring me? So we're going to talk about that today. I just want to make sure you're ready because you still got time to leave. All right, Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26. We're going to go back to the beginning again. We're going to compare it to a portion of Scripture in the New Testament. Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that he may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image and the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them. Aren't you glad you just didn't wash up on the shore one day? A little helpless amoeba. Trying to figure out what you're going to turn into. God created mankind in his own image. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. He said, multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea birds in the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground. All right, let's fast forward a lot of years to Matthew 28, 19. Jesus is standing before the disciples. He been born, lived a perfect life, crucified. Now he's resurrected. He's standing in front of his disciples and he gives them this direction. Go and make disciples. All those years later, the call on our lives is still to multiply. Hadn't changed. In creation, he said, be fruitful and increase. Then man sinned. Then Jesus came to save us, redeem us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then the directive was, go out and what? Multiply again. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for your word today. Change us with it, God. We do not want to be normal. We don't want to be average. God, we want to see a great number of people be impacted by your gospel and inherit eternal life. We don't want to be stingy with the good stuff you've given us. Help us to change the world. Thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen and amen. amen. All right, you may be seated. Look at your neighbor and say, this could get uncomfortable. I told somebody a couple weeks ago, they, um, they were talking about the seats and in case you didn't know, we're very frugal here. These seats are 25 years old, and we recovered them uh, probably 10, 7 years ago, uh, something like that. And we brought them up from the fellowship hall, and we put them up here. And, and somebody about a month ago stopped me after one of the services and said, uh, hey, I was visiting a church in Florida, 
And they had chairs like this, but they were really thick padded chairs. They were so comfortable. And I said, well, that's awesome. We're, we're going to, when we add the addition to the, to the building, we're going to be getting new chairs. And uh, he's like, yeah. And I said, I think they will be about 13,000 bucks. They're going to have new cushions on them. I'll let you pick out the cushion. And then I said to him, actually, we probably won't get cushions any bigger than the ones that are here because when the service is over, we want you to leave so somebody else can come in. So we don't want you to get too comfortable sitting in that chair because the gospel doesn't go forward with us sitting. Marriage is a funny thing. Anybody heard of a statement called marital bliss? This is going to be a great service because everybody just went. <laughs> marital bliss, marital bliss. I've been married 21 years. I still have no definition for it. What is marital bliss? I know that a lot of us try to find it, though. I know the American way of doing marriage is just an endless pursuit of trying to be happy. And we medicate ourselves with whatever it takes in our marriage. Uh, making sure we have the right job, making sure we have the right house, the right cars, the right, the right everything in order to be happy about the marriage that we're in, making sure we look the right way, making sure we say the right things and making sure we do all the right things. But in the end of the day, we oftentimes find ourselves still in the conflict. We oftentimes find ourselves still in the search for what marital bliss looks like. We oftentimes still find ourselves searching for what the definition of happiness really is. Because when we get to what we set the definition that beforehand, when we get there, we realize it's not really as happy as we thought it was going to be. And so it becomes this endless pursuit and almost a mindless pursuit that, that our, our society has conned us into that we're going to keep chasing something that might not exist actually in marriage. Wouldn't that be the most awful trick in the world? Get married and you will be happy. Thought all of us when we did. And then we realized it was a little more complicated than that. And now you put two people in the same house, maybe coming from very different backgrounds and very different goals and very different dreams. And all of a sudden you put them in the same house and, and everybody went, just be happy. I mean, we, we clanged on the cups when you were getting married. You kissed each other and you looked happy. I found after all these years that, um, that I believe that there is a way to be fulfilled in marriage. But it might not be exactly what you're thinking. So... One of the things I want to point out right off the bat in the scripture that we read is when we were created, man and woman, right at the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them the directive to multiply. Go out and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over all the creatures of the earth, go out and multiply, fill the earth. And you're like, man, I like the sound of that. <laughs> now, if you fast forward into the New Testament... Jesus has died, resurrected. He's standing in front of his disciples, getting ready to ascend into heaven. And they're getting ready to experience the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which will empower them to take the gospel to the whole world. He tells them, one of the last things he tells them is he says, go and make disciples. I started thinking about 
Comparing the two of their scriptures together, right from the beginning, God is telling the husband and wife, go make, go multiply yourselves. And all the way into the New Testament, God is still saying the same thing. If you're married and you're, and you're in relationship with Christ and each other, the directive is still the same. Multiply. Now, I do believe that your first disciple should be your kids. Amen? You're like, nah. Neighbors are easier. <laughs> I don't have to change a neighbor's diaper. So I, I do believe your first disciple should be your kids. But beyond that, like I, we're starting to experience, you got about 18 years to work on them, right? You can live beside somebody for 30 years, right? And so, so we're starting to experience, wow, we got this limited window But just because our kids move out doesn't mean the disciple-making stops. Mm. Just because you have kids doesn't mean disciple-making outside the home ceases. Because like, Lord, I can only handle three disciples at the same time. I'm concentrating on the kids now. I don't want any friends. So God's intention for us as married couples was to multiply. 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 Make disciples. And I started thinking about what that looked like in marriage and and what was necessary for that and how it fit in the context of what we're used to. Multiply. He called us to do that. You know, that's actually all through Scripture. God is a God of multiplication. And Matthew talks about the parable of the talents. And... The, the, the master goes away, but before he goes away, he gives one guy five, one guy two, one guy one. It's, it's, a, it's a parable that I love because it's, it's the, it shows you an expectation of, of when God gives us resources and abilities. He expects us to multiply. And so even though it wasn't emphatically said at the beginning, he must have communicated it to them because you can't expect what you haven't communicated, Right? It's like, it's like never telling your kid what time to be home, but then getting mad when they show up at one in the morning. What did you do showing up at one in the morning? You never told me what time. Yeah, but I just thought you'd figure it out. They're like, dude, I'm 12. We were out riding bikes. So, so I'm fully convinced that the master in this parable tells them the expectation. Gives them five, two, and one. And, there, and nobody comes back and says, well, you didn't tell us to do this. There was an expectation up front to multiply what he had given them. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. It would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and trusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to the other two, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went away on his journey. So he, he expects a return. And I believe that God has entrusted us in our marriages with capabilities and resources and talents. And he will expect a return. He'll expect a return on what we've done with it. Because I believe there's a special thing in marriage that gives you an exponential ability to create a return. You can see now you're not just working with one person. You've united with somebody else and now you have two people. The Bible says two people can accomplish exponentially more than just one person. So now, 
There's more of an idea of a return when two people get together. So, but here's what I think, one of the things I think we make a mistake on. Watch this. One of the patterns we use in marriage and in, and in trying to make disciples is that we do things like this. We try to orchestrate our lives in such a way where they look perfect on the outside. Hey, do you guys argue? No. No. So we try to create these perfect little marriages, perfect looking little children. You know, like just, you know, I remember thinking my kid was the smartest kid on the planet. Just like you did. (laughs) I remember thinking my kids didn't do anything wrong, just like you did. And then I realized that the devil came in them at about four years old and they started lying. But watch, the temptation is then to cover it up because we want to be, we want to look like we have marital bliss because we have been ingrained that if our marriages and families look perfect, then people will want to come to Christ because they will want what we already have. The trouble with that is, is that we pursue happiness instead of God's will for our life and we're trying to attract people because we're happy, not fulfilled. And what happens is when people come into the church because, or, or they come to a relationship with Christ because they think that, well, we're going to have a marriage just like the Joneses. And then they find out that I just went to a psychiatrist last Wednesday for my regular scheduled appointment. <laughs> True story. Nine o'clock. I'll meet you there if you want to go. It's an hour and I don't think you'd mind two people. You say, oh, he's crazy. No, I'm not crazy. I don't want to be crazy. (laughs) So you be proactive. And you say, listen, I have a tendency to be crazy already. I don't want to be crazy. So can I talk to you for an hour every month? But what happens is we put up the front that all, if they, if they see how much God has done in my life, how perfect everything is, they'll come to him. And then they start rubbing up against us and realize what? That just like I said in the beginning, marital bliss and all of you went, that ain't real. They're going to realize it's still not real. And then the compounding problem is, is that when we come to the realization that the facade we put on out to everyone else is not really who we are, there's condemnation that comes into our lives. And then we stop witnessing because we're not perfect. When that was never the prerequisite. Go make disciples was after Peter had denied him. Ah, and so what I realized in my life is to go make disciples does not mean I have to have a perfect marriage and agree with my wife every day. It does not mean that my wife has to agree with me every day. It does not mean we actually have to get along every day. Oh, you mean we don't have to agree on everything? Boy, that would be awful marriage right there. Think about it. We agree on everything. No, you don't. You're just too sissy to say anything about it. I told you, I'm I'm laying on your couch today. The thing about it is, is that we need to put this facade down. And we need to say, come follow me like Paul did. Come follow me as I follow Christ. And Paul said out loud, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. This wretched man that I am. He says, I battle this flesh all the time. Hey, come follow me. I'm following Jesus. 
And if we as Christian families and Christian marriages would realize the world is not looking for perfection because they know it's unattainable. What they're looking for is somebody to save them. And if they have to look like you think you look like to get to Jesus, they won't come. And so I'd much rather say, you know what? Man, last year was tough. We didn't agree on everything. And them go, hey, we didn't either. And I go, yeah, you know what? Doesn't matter. You say, oh yeah, but what about unity? Doesn't the Bible say that where there's unity, God commands his blessing? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. But is unity actually us agreeing with each other all the time? Okay, watch this. Watch this. So we talked about God wants to return. We've, we've, we've discussed how, how we don't have to be perfect marriages like this. We don't have to put up the facade. It's, it's okay. It's okay. The thing about it is, is that God expects a return. And the issue is making, making things is not always easy or comfortable, is it? Making things, okay, think about this. Sin has come into the world, right? So God told Adam and Eve right from the very beginning, be fruitful and multiply. Adam's like, I'm your man. We got this down, Lord. We're going to fill the whole earth. Sin comes into the picture, and all of a sudden, multiplication becomes difficult. Ah. Uh. All of a sudden, multiplication becomes difficult because sin came into the picture. So what happens is, is now childbirth is Eve's greatest pain in life. Multiplication is now difficult because of sin. And then Adam says, I'd like to multiply some things from the ground. Well, that's going to be the most difficult thing in my life. And then having a wife that's trying to give birth, that's difficult. Amen? Amen. I mean, that was one of the most tired days of my life. when (laughs) I thought, baby, I'm going to have to go down and get something to eat. Like... It's been since like breakfast. Well, watch this. Making disciples is also one of the most difficult things, isn't it? Because of sin. Because watch this. There's this constant tension of our, in our lives between making disciples and being happy. And, and what we are afraid of is that if we really follow the call of God on our marriages, we won't be happy. Oh, you say, well, how do you know that? Well, well, watch. Watch. I mean, the Bible explains it very clearly. Matthew 25, verse 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came master. He said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. God, you're tough. I don't think you're fair all the time. I've never said that very often. Watch this. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. He basically looked at the master and said, I don't think I can be happy and do what you asked me to do at the same time. And so my personal comfort was more important than your return. So I just said, forget about it. I'm going to follow after happiness. And what you've called me to do is going to have to wait. And we get sucked into this thing 
where in marriage we're pursuing the next thing, the next thing, the next, this will make us happy, 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 this will make us happy. And what happens is we get to the end of it and we realize that, hap- that just the pursuit of happiness has no return. You just bury what you were given at the beginning. And so, so he says, I was afraid that I wouldn't be comfortable. I was afraid of you. And your expectation of me. I was afraid of this whole thing. I wasn't comfortable with it. I didn't think I'd be happy. So I just buried it. And by the way, here's what you gave me back. Now, let me say this for a second. God has put in you everything already that he wants you to use to multiply. He didn't say to Adam and Eve at the beginning, hey, be fruitful, multiply in six months, I'll give you what you need. You already have it. Matthew 28, 19. He didn't look at the disciples and say, hey, go into all the world and make disciples. No, he said, you are. He, he didn't say, oh, you're, you're missing out on all this stuff. I'm going to have to teach. They walked with him. He said, you're already disciples. I'm going to empower you to make them now. And so God has already put in you, in your marriage, what you need to multiply. The thing is, is your focus. Some of you that are ADD just went, what, what, what what did he say? Focus, focus. The problem is the focus because I'm focused on being happy, not being productive. My focus is being happy, not being productive. My focus is being, is, is being, is being having pleasure, not production. And I'm going to tell you that there's nowhere in scripture where it says production is easy. Amen? There's nowhere in the scripture where it says production is easy. And so what happens is, when we get our focus off of what God has called us to do, then here's what happens. Man, it's so funny. We argue about the dumbest things, don't we? Don't we? You know more people divorce over money than anything else? Why? Because I'm not happy about it. Like, I just wish, I, I just want to be happier. I'm just not happy right now. And so, so we're arguing about happiness, argue about happiness. I, I, was, I was upset yesterday, I'll be honest with you. Can I just be a little transparent? The TJ Maxx. <laughs> Actually, I didn't even get upset till this morning. TJ Maxx, I, I went in and I, um, I shopped like this. Nothing on that rack I want. And I walked down and I went, oh, there's a shirt. Oh, yeah. Truth of the matter is, I bought this shirt three months ago. I bought the same shirt three months ago in a large. Went home, put it on, and it looked like spandex. (laughs) So I gave it to my son. This time I go in, they got the same shirt, extra large. I'm like, this is my shirt. I'm wearing it tomorrow. Ain't even going to wash it. Just going to iron it. And so I bought it, came home. I gained, I gained, I've gained... I put the thing on and I looked pregnant. I went, it's extra large. What is happening to me? And uh, I, I had no explanation. I, like, I, I ate too much pizza last night at the fight. Like, I don't know what happened. But we do things like that and we go, if I weighed less, 
my marriage would be if 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 both of us weighed less our marriage would be better if 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 we if we if you thought like me our marriage would be better if if we had more money our marriage would be better if we had a different house our marriage would be better if that shirt would have fit me this morning i wouldn't be upset with you if (laughs) and we always dangle the carrot out in front of us for one more thing to make us happy we always dangle it out in front of the Satan is so good at that. He just puts a stick out in front of us and he says, ah, oh, if you had that, you'd be happy. If your marriage was like that, you'd be happy. If your marriage was like that, you'd be happy. Here's, you know what the realization I've come to after 21 years of marriage? I don't care if the shirt fits or not. I don't care. I don't care. Because watch this. Watch this. God has called you to multiply. And that is a struggle. And you have to be focused on the right thing in order to accomplish it. Now, I started thinking, I read a lot of war books. I'm, re- I'm reading a book right now uh, about war, and it, it, it's the Rwandan genocide. It's not an easy book to read. It's just, I, I, I love watching how men and women can, can work under pressure. I was never in the military. I love how they can keep their focus. I love how they can keep the mission in front of them. I love how they can walk through unbelievable, difficult things in their lives and still come out victorious. I love it. And I have some friends who have, who have lived those lives. And so I called my buddy up this week and I asked him this question. I said, hey, I've got a theory, but I've, I've never experienced it before. I just want to make sure I'm right. Usually am, but I just want to call and follow it up. <laughs> <laughs> so I call him and I said, hey, he's been five, I think at least five combat tours. Like real combat tours. And I said, hey, is it possible for you to not like a guy? Like not get along and then enter into combat with that same guy and the combat itself changed the dynamic of your relationship. I said, I think, I think I'm on this track and, and can, you, can you confirm or deny that, that, that you can be not getting along, not agreeing on everything, not, not seeing eye to eye on everything, but because you're in combat together, it totally reorganizes the priority of your relationship. It totally re, re, refigures the way your relationship's based and, and you are able to accomplish amazing things together. And he said, absolutely yes. Let me tell you a story. And I was like, I, yes, it's going to be perfect. He said, Afghanistan, he said, me and this guy are the same rank. We've got totally different styles of leadership. He's kind of a know-it-all. He said, I'm a little more reserved. He thought I was too easygoing. So we just butted heads nonstop. He said, I really did not like him. So we just butted heads all the time. Did not like him. He said, we, he said, we were in, his, his exact words, we were in a lot of hairy situations together. We were in a lot of difficult situations together over and over and over again. He said, Chris, today he's one of my best friends. He's the guy I call if I need to talk to somebody. And I said, how's that happen? He said, because when you're in combat together, you realize that this guy has your back. You may not agree with everything he does, but this guy is the one who's got your back. When nobody else does. And, and he said the same thing for, with me. I had his back no matter what happened. And he said, we experienced those things together. And now we can relate to one another like no one else can relate to us. And he said, so years after that, he said, if I'm, if I'm in a bad spot, I can call him 
and he can call me. It totally changed. There's still different personalities. So watch this. We chase marital bliss and hope one day it leads us to the, to, to this beautiful, happy place where everything is so easy and everything so just, just happens and you don't have to, don't have to try, don't have to. When the issue is, is the most fulfillment you will have will be in combat. And watch what happens. Your focus changes. So it changes from, are we happy to are we accomplishing? Are we happy to are we multiplying? Are we happy to are we advancing the gospel? Are we happy to are we making disciples? Do I like everything you're doing to, to is this what God called us to do? Do, uh, uh, from I agree with everything you say to we need to move forward. And it will revolutionize your relationship because guess what? The petty things that you fight over when the bullets start flying, you forget them. You're not looking at each other going, I can't believe you bought another purse. You're going to be like, bring the new purse with you. The neighbors need help. You guys totally missed that. All the women are like, he just said we could get new purses. And you got to be okay with it. You know, petty... Chasing happiness makes us. You didn't get home on time. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. I wanted to. 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 When we begin to realize that God has called us to make disciples and that this is a struggle, this is a battle, this is something we have to fight together for, this is something we put our backs together, and if one can put a thousand to flight, Two can put 10,000 to fly. This is something that God has equipped us for and perfectly, perfectly empowered us to do. And if we can get our minds wrapped around the idea that I don't have to agree with you to fight with you. I don't have to agree with you all the time. It will free up your marriage to not have to look perfect all the time. Rescuing people is dirty work. Rescuing people will reorganize your resources. Rescuing people will, will cause you to overlook all those little petty things that you used to worry about before. Well, you didn't mow the grass today. I'm sorry. The neighbor was having trouble. And it'll get to the point where they won't even ask. Oh, you didn't get home on time. I realized you were helping out a coworker. God called us to multiply. If that means we will have disagreements, that's fine. If that means our lives won't look perfect, that's fine. We're multiplying. We're multiplying. We're going to fight in this battle, and, 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 and it doesn't have to look pretty all the time. We are unified to what God has called us to do. You see, you see the thing is, is that God knows what he put in you, so he is the only one to know what to expect back. He put it in you so he's the only one that can know what to expect back. You are the one responsible for fighting for that. And as long as we get our focus on how happy we can be, do you realize that Paul never said, I'm in prison? (laughs) Wow, this is the best place ever. Why don't you join my church and have the potential to come here with me? This is perfect. In these chains... And I realize they're for the gospel. 
Wouldn't have it any other way. Could you imagine what it would be like for the modern church to follow Paul? Your preacher's locked up and he says, hey, send somebody to, you, to me. Ooh, we're not sending anybody to you. Now send somebody to me. These chains are for the advancement of the gospel. I'm not, I'm not ashamed. I'm, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of difficulties we have. We're fighting together. It's going to be some difficulties. We don't focus on them. We focus on winning the battle. We focus on multiplication. We focus on what can we do to serve? What, how, how can we serve people? How can we serve people more? Does it look sloppy at times? Yeah. Do, do we not have it figured all out? Yeah. But we're fighting forward. We know what God's called us to do. Watch this. All the things that you're worried about. Matthew chapter 6, verse 32, 31, 30, 33. All the things that we're worried about that are going to make us happy. If we, For the pagans run after all these things. Don't you love it when the Bible talks about pagans? The pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And you'll still starve to death. Actually, it doesn't say that, does it? You know what the beautiful thing about God is? If you will put him first and his calling in your life first and his calling for your marriage first, he will make sure you get all that other stuff. He'll make sure. Seek first the kingdom of God. He says, don't worry about what all the pagans run after. Seek first his kingdom. Do what he's called you to do. Multiply, 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 multiply. And by the way, while you're multiplying, you won't even realize it. He's providing all that stuff you were, everybody else is worried about. Did you hear that? Sometimes you don't even realize he's doing it. You're so busy in the battle that you didn't realize somebody came up behind you and gave you more bullets. But one day you wake up, you go, we ain't running out. We've been fighting this thing 20 years. We ain't running out. He's providing and providing and providing, and I'm not worried about it. Ephesians 2.10. Why don't you stand? The band's going to come. Ephesians 2.10. One of my favorite verses. This means God planned for you to do amazing things before you even knew him. We're God's handiwork, Paul says. His craftsmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which what? He's already prepared for you to do. So if he's prepared for you to do the good works, there's a return he expects on it. If he's given you five talents, it was with the idea that you'd bring him ten. So if Paul's writing to the Ephesians and he says, listen, God created good works for you to do in advance. He already knows your talents, abilities. He knows your marriage. He knows that if you fight together, you'll be able to accomplish X, Y, and Z. And this is what he's called you to do. Bring a return. Fight together. Focus on him. He'll provide everything you need for the battle. He'll provide everything you need for the journey. You want to find fulfillment in life? Put your backs to each other and fight the whole way. Make it happen. Make disciples. Make disciples. Make disciples. Make disciples. You say, I don't know how to do that. You just follow God and tell people what you're doing. Help them. Serve them. Hey man, I ain't got all this figured out. Me and my wife just want to serve you. We just want to help you. What do you want to help me for? Because if I don't help you, we're going to make each other crazy. You can say that. God's called me to help you to keep us from going crazy. Because if we focus on each other and just being happy, 
But you know what? When we stop fighting is when we start focusing on everybody else. Watch this. Can I speak a little faith into you this morning? I, um, I was able to talk to some people last night that, um, that Beth and I are close to. And I told them, these are people that Beth and I are pouring our lives into outside of this church. And I said, you are making a difference in so many families. You don't even realize it. You're making a huge difference in families. I was giving this pep talk. Man, you're, you're just making a difference. And I was thinking about this morning, I want to say the same thing. You're, you're making a difference. But, not, but I wanted to speak faith into your life in this sense. I believe that standing right here in this room, there are married couples and couples yet to be married. All of you singles just looked around the room and went, okay, they, he must be in here. <clears throat> You're married couples yet to be married. And here's what I believe. I believe if you will focus on multiplication of what God called you to do, I believe there's kids that are going to be rescued from abusive homes because you focused on what God called you to do. You focus on multiplication. And there's going to be kids rescued. Oh, we can go make disciples. What's that look like? That looks like rescuing abused kids. That looks like rescuing teenage girls from the sex trafficking. That looks like that looks like rescuing abused women. That looks like rescuing addicted men. That looks like rescuing. That's what it looks like. And there's husband and wives in here that if you just shift a little bit and not focus so much on like, oh, we got to, what did God call us to do? That people will be rescued, not, I believe there's people in this room right now that are called to take the gospel to the ends of the world. Some of you are like, oh, uh, how far is that? <laughs> you mean like Wisconsin? Here's what I know. When we fight together, he takes me farther than I ever dreamed I'd go. Put our backs together. And we've been through some of the most difficult times. It hasn't been pretty blood flying hurting begging God to do stuff and realize that rescuing people is dirty work and we've got to be focused on the mission can't be focused about whether I'm totally happier, unhappier whether I'm getting everything I want I'm focused on the mission I'm focused on the mission amen come on lift your hands this morning if that's you, if you say Lord We've been focused on some, just on the wrong thing. We want to focus on the calling of God on our lives and what you put in us to multiply. We want to do that. I just want you to pray that prayer to him today. Father, we are as a church committing to you that we will seek first the kingdom and your righteousness. And Lord, we'll let you do what you do. Lord, you've called us to multiply. You've called us to make disciples. And Lord, as husband and wife, we are focused on that. God, we put aside our differences and we will let the battle do the work. Lord, we'll let the battle bring us closer. We'll let the battle fulfill us. Lord, we will go out and fight 
as long as you would give us breath, Lord. We want to do your will today, Lord. I pray that out of this church, a great number of families would raise up. And Lord, we'd be rescuers for you. God, that the gospel will go forward because we focused on the fight. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, church, give him honor and praise.